Are you a Better For You food and beverage CPG founder who is open to talking about your brand and sharing your journey and insights in building your business? If yes, then you are exactly who we're looking for to join us in our goal of creating a show that can become a platform for learning and inspiration for other founders in the industry. I would like to personally invite you to be a guest on this podcast and join me for a conversation so we can help many others succeed in their journey in this challenging industry. Be our next guest by signing up at thevineyardbc.com slash podcast. That's thevineyardbc.com slash podcast. I look forward to having you soon. Brandstar Goes Healthy features founders and CEOs of healthy food and beverage CPG companies who share their biggest successes, hardest failures, strategic learnings, and tactical tips so you can learn from them and help you avoid mistakes and instead succeed in building your own healthy food and beverage brands. If you lead a vegan, plant-based, organic, all-natural, functional, and other healthy food and beverage CPG company, then this show is for you. Hosted by Leonard Grape, founder and CEO of The Vineyard, the brand development company for the healthy food and beverage CPG industry. What's up, everybody? It's Leonard here, and you're listening to the Brand Start Goes Healthy podcast, the show that helps better for you food and beverage CPG companies build stronger brands through firsthand stories and insights from successful CPG founders. Today, I'm joined by Annika Sony, founder and director of marketing of Groovy, a brand that offers a line of award-winning alcohol-free social beverages, including craft beers, wines, and RTDs. Annika, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you. Thanks for having me. Before we get going, can you please tell us a brief background about yourself and what you do? Yeah, so as mentioned, I'm the co-founder of Groovy, actually along with my brother, Nikki. Um, and so Groovy's about four and a half years old now. And pretty much I jumped right into Groovy after graduating. So I studied actually cognitive science at McGill University in Canada um, and then did a, a pretty 180 pivot, jumping headfirst into building a business brand. Um, but yeah, I'm our chief of marketing and really do everything on full spectrum, especially as a small startup from, you know, even content creation to our full campaigns to merchandising in store. Um, and then as a founder, you're wearing, you know, pretty much every hat in building a business. I'm definitely interested to know how you went from being a cognitive science major into becoming a CPG founder, which I think now leads me to, the, to my first official question that I ask all my guests. How did your brand start? When and where did you get the idea to start Groovy? Yeah, so we started Groovy. It was actually in my last year of university that the idea kind of came to fruition. And so my brother, Nikki, and I, we've always lived a very healthful lifestyle, right? And making all these decisions, these better for you life choices. And we started to question where alcohol actually fit into that. And as we started to cut back our alcohol intake, we noticed all the benefits that came with that better sleep, feeling more present and kind of the biggest one, just more joyful moments in our life. Um, but again, four and a half years ago, as we started to make that transition, we 
realized that it wasn't very easy. And alcohol is obviously so intertwined into our society in so many ways, right? Um, And so from that, we decided to, you know, explore what was out there. And we realized the main reason why it was hard to transition to less alcohol was because of the lack of options. And so that's where the inspiration for Groovy really came from. We saw this amazing opportunity to bring this category back to life. What does an amazing non-alcoholic beverage look like? What does it taste like? Can we bring some fun and excitement to the category Um, and ultimately give consumers a better and more exciting choice when they just don't want to drink? That's really interesting. And I totally agree with you. I think across different regions, countries, and cultures, that that speaks true, right? That alcohol is part of like, you know, social lifestyle. Sometimes it would even seem like you're you're left out, you're becoming a killjoy if you don't get to hang out with friends. So I think you're up to something that's that's really interesting in the market. What I want to do in this conversation, Annika, is sort of start also with the macro perspective on where we at in terms of the non-alcoholic category because I think that it's an exciting sector within the Better For You FNBCPG space. But what are the current opportunities and challenges that you're seeing in the category? You've touched on this a little bit already earlier, but what are some of the things that you're seeing in the category? So, you know, the category is really interesting. It's definitely a new up-and-coming category. And again, you know, as a trailblazer within the category being one of the first to market has its own set of challenges that we've had to deal with. And so again, when we think of non-alcoholic, especially non-alcoholic beer, the category has been around for a long time, but it's been very stagnant. It's been very like under love. There's been a lack of innovation in it. And so when we launched again, 2019, so almost four and a half years ago, there wasn't many options. Groovy was, you know, one of the first non-alcoholic wines in the market in North America, one of the first to launch, you know, many of the styles of our craft beers. And so what we've seen is it was really slow because there was still a lot of education around the category, right? Retailers didn't really see the need. Lots of people, we got a lot of rejection, a lot of people being like, no one wants this. Who? What's the point of non-alcoholic, right? If I want beer, I want alcohol, right? And so you got a lot of negative pushback on it. And then about two and a half years ago, we really start to see, and I think if I think of like the macro environment, right, there was a lot of societal changes going on as well that actually pushed the category forward. And so we have a term called sober curious. I don't know if you've heard of that before, but it it you know was stemmed by author Ruby Warrington, which is kind of just a concept of someone that wants to question their relationship with alcohol. And many people we used to think that like if you weren't drinking, you're either sober, you're coming from addiction, you're pregnant. It's one of these strict reasons. But what about hey, I just don't really feel that great when I'm drinking, and maybe I don't want alcohol, right? And so there was just more conversations that started to grow, and we saw so many entrants into the category, right? And so there was this light bulb. People are like, ah, this is growing. This is an opportunity. So you saw new entrants from like an independent level. But of course, we start to see all the big guys too. And that's on a global scale, right? You have Heineken, you have Budweiser, all of them starting to pivot and put their resources into growing their non-alcoholic offerings. Um, And so it's been a fast paced growth. I think right now the category is about 30% growth year over year. Um, But at the same time, because it's so new, you hit a whole set of challenges, right? And I'm happy to talk about some of what those challenges are as well. Yeah, yeah. I'm actually interested. I caught that when you said that while it's up and coming, it's growing, it's been there for quite some time. But I think this is the recent 
moments that we're seeing like so substantial of of growth. Yeah, talk to me about what are those challenges that that you're seeing. So I think you know first of all there's a little bit of education around what it looks like to produce an, a non-alcoholic option, right? And it's actually quite difficult. There's a lot of investment into the tech that needs to be going through. And just in terms of the quality of non-alcoholic options, if you think about it, alcohol in itself, it's a preservative, it's an antiseptic, right? So it's killing off bacteria. And so the second you actually don't have alcohol, the substance is a lot more volatile. And so there's more room for bacteria growth and all of these other things. So it's not a very easy category without knowledge to enter into. And so starting to, you know, set what some of those regulations need to be around the quality for non-alcoholic options, um, things like where the category sits in market, right? Is it in grocery? Is it in liquor stores? Um, how does it become merchandise? And even just like the legislation around the category as a whole, we have non-alcoholic, we have alcohol free, we have alcohol removed, all of these different terms that yet have not really found full definitions yet. And everyone everywhere is still trying to define many things, right? And what the US starts to look at, you know, the UK has different um regulation around it. And so it's just a very interesting time in a category right now. Um, I'm actually on the board and one of the founding members of ANBA, which is the Adult Non-Alcoholic Beverage Association. So we started Mm. ANBA about two years ago now. And we brought together, you know, some of the leaders in the space, some of the other CEOs, founders of kind of the top non-alcoholic brands. And so it's been really cool to actually work together and I, and face these challenges that we're all facing together to grow the category as a whole, provide education for what non-alcoholic looks like, work with multiple brands when you're working with a retailer. It's not actually just like me versus my competition, but it's actually mm-hmm. like, we want you to think of non-alcoholic as a whole set, as a category, right? What's the variety? How can you merchandise it? So all of these questions that have come up, actually being able to work with other brands to solve them together, I think is something that I can't speak from experience because I haven't been in any other industries, but to me, it seems really special. Yeah. Thank you for sharing. I think that's a, that's a very good picture of where we're at now in the industry and what are the opportunities and challenges. And before we go on, again, I'd like to apologize because I'm hearing my voice. I know it's not in its best form. So for <laughs> everyone listening, I hope you still you know get on in this conversation because there's so much more that I want to unpack from, from Annika. Now, let's, let's immediately shift to talking about how you are building Groovy as a non-alk CPG beverage brand. You've probably already touched on this on a personal standpoint on how and where you start the idea. But I also want to start again with the basics and go a little deeper. What is the big why behind your product? Yeah, so the big why and to Groovy really is to help people make that transition, right? To a lesser alcohol-centric or a no-alcohol lifestyle. And for us, that means you're really moving forward and challenging the status quo of where we are today. But the goal with that is to bring more moments of joy. And that's really what we're after at Groovy is we think that any opportunity someone has a choice to choose, they can choose alcohol in a setting, of course, but they can also have an exciting non-alcoholic option and they can still have the same pleasures that we have from, you know, sitting with friends and enjoying a glass of wine or having a bubble bath or, you know, watching the hockey game with a nice cold beer, we want people to still have all of those moments and not feel like they're sacrificing anything. And so when I like 
think of the big picture for us at Groovy and the vision that we're trying to get to, essentially it's to normalize non-alcoholic options. And we Mm. need that to be, you know, coexistent and with alcohol because alcohol is not going anywhere at this moment. We know that. And it's still so ingrained, but for alcohol free options to really have a seat at the table um, and to us, that's making it accessible. Right. So it's any bar, restaurant, you know, concert venue, retailer that you go to, you have an equally as exciting quality, non-alcoholic option. I think that's a powerful purpose behind a brand and a product. I ask that because I know how tough it is generally to be a founder and how even more cutthroat it is to be a CPG founder and a beverage founder, right? Um, because yeah. you have so many things that you have to address. Like you've, you've mentioned that a couple of times already, like consumer education is one. Like in your case, it's a different dynamics altogether because it's it's a whole different category, right? Um, mm-hmm. And you mentioned also something earlier about having so many rejections at the beginning. And when I was sort of like trying to assess your timeline, you said that two and a half years ago, you're finally seeing some good traction, but it appeared so that the first two years is not as as great. So can can you quickly share what's the mindset for you during those moments? Like how did you handle rejections and how did you basically like went from 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 that moment and then continue on it despite all the challenges? I think that at the beginning, and I this has always stuck with me, but especially for CPG founders, that again, you're you're a first mover, right? You're leading a category or an industry. This notion that not everybody is going to get it right at the beginning. That's the definition of a trailblazer. Not everyone's going to understand, but those that do, they'll really get it. And those will be, you know, your biggest fans that start the first retailer that brings you on. And to me, it's been so important through the whole process. Of course, the beginning when you get rejection, but as you grow, you have a whole set of new, you know, challenges and problems that you deal with on a daily basis. And so for me, it's been so important to come back to what we just talked about, that why. What are we doing? And at Groovy, we're we're truly having a positive impact on people's lives. We're helping them, whether it doesn't, again, matter where they're coming from, but we're allowing them to have a piece of themselves back. We're allowing them to be present, whether that's with their kids, their family, and we're allowing them to bring those moments of joy. And so Every day you get, you know, DMs or emails coming through support or just reviews on your, you know, product pages and reading through those is constant like motivation to this is why we're doing it, right? Like it's bigger than just a product on a shelf. It has an impact. Um, and so to me, that that's what keeps you going every day. Yeah, that's that's really great. And you know, I can totally resonate with what you're saying because I've quit drinking alcohol many, many years back. Um, now already, but I typically just drink, you know, better for you sodas, but I don't really have like anything in mind as a non-alk beverage brand. So I'm really going to look forward when you reach this region and I'm definitely going to support your brand from there on. <laughs> but, was, I'm just going to put the side note in there because I yeah, thought it was ahead, really um, I was speaking with a, a content creator the other day. He's also from the Philippines. And he was saying, just like those cultural differences, right? How, you know, how alcohol plays a role in all different cultures and settings. But he was like, often in the Philippines, when we think of our happy hour, it's actually karaoke is the happy go-to happy hour. And so I thought it was like, just a really interesting insight, right? It's like how you can pivot those settings and still have occasions and connections and stuff, but it doesn't actually always need to be centered around alcohol. 
Exactly. I totally allude to that. You know, in, in the Philippines, we have so many ways to celebrate. And while alcohol in, in most areas would probably be a part of it, but you're right. That's true. And I think that applies across different regions as well. I also want to talk to you about the competitive landscape that you're in right now, Annika, because you mentioned, I think aside from dealing with other non-alc beverage brands, you're also really actually dealing with alcohol in general. But as you said, it's not going anywhere, right? So you're sort of dealing with so many competitors in the industry as a whole. So my question now for you would be, what are the things that you're doing to gain competitive advantage and thrive in such a competitive landscape? A quick break, CPG founders. Here's a hard truth. You can never win on product quality alone. It doesn't matter how great your product is if people don't know about it. It doesn't matter how delicious your product is if people don't get to try it. So if you really want to win in the better for you food and beverage CPG industry, you need to equip your great product with powerful messaging and effective marketing. That's what differentiates successful CPG brands from unsuccessful ones. If you're tired of figuring out how to move from unclear to a messaging that works and from weak to a marketing that captures attention, then we have the expertise, framework, and tools to help you out. If you want to learn more how we can help you, reach out to us by heading on to www.thevineyardvc.com. Now, back to the conversation. Great question. Um, I think, you know, when we started Groovy, again, you start to realize that there's all these different facets of competition that come in. As you just mentioned, you have the big guys, the small guys, etc. And so we did a lot of research and actually just understanding, okay, in the community, one with our own customers, but also looking at the category as a whole, doing some actual like data research out there. What are the biggest hesitations that customers, consumers have with the category right now? And so when we did that, it came back to three clear defining pieces. And so essentially we built our entire brand around those three pillars. And we were like, okay, hey, these are the three hesitations that consumers have. How can we deliver, be the brand that delivers on all three of these? And so what they are, taste first and foremost, I mean, of course, for non-alcoholic, but honestly, that's for any CPG food and beverage brand. But especially in this category, it's had such a negative stigma around taste. It's going to be a less than option. It's going to be a watery beer, right? And so we've really prioritized taste through our product innovation. And I'm proud to say that I think just in the past year, we've received two gold medals for best non-alcoholic beer in the world at the World wow. Beer Cup. And a best for a sangria just got a gold medal, um, one of the best non-alcoholic wines in the world. And so we took on the challenge to do both beers and wines, but we've hit a point now where we're really at the forefront of taste. And for us, it's it's continuous innovation, right? It's not just taking that and being like, okay, we got a gold medal. It's great. But always thinking of how we can continue to iterate it because the category evolves and new technology comes to play. And so we're just always keeping our eye out on that. So first and foremost, taste. Then variety is the second key piece. And I think that the best example to this is, again, look at the alcohol industry, right? There's not one wine option. There's not one beer. There's thousands of options, right? Beer, wine, spirits, et cetera. And in different settings, people want different options. And so it was the same with the non-alcoholic category. People were bored with just one classic beer. And so that's why we decided to take the bold move to launch our, our whole company with beers and wines, which no one's ever done before because 
typically you're a brewery and you make beer or you're a winemaker and you make wine. But we wanted to be the brand that was a lifestyle brand for the category as a whole and allow people, again, that choice for any moment, whatever it was, there was a non-alcoholic option for that. And so, yeah, sparkling wine, still wine, sangria, craft beers, nitro beers, the whole the whole lineup. So we really nailed down on variety. And then the last piece was accessibility. So again, five years ago, there was a bigger barrier to accessibility, but people wanted these options, but they couldn't find them anywhere. They had to go online. It was expensive. And so we really nailed and kind of did a big pivot, you know, about a year and a half ago to really focus on retail expansion, Mm -hmm. get the product on the shelves for people doing all single serve options. Like this is our sparkling wine. It comes in a single serve. And again, it just reduces that barrier for trial for people. So it's not like, Oh, I have to wait till I have friends and then I can open a big bottle of wine. It's like, I'm craving it. I can just have it and I can enjoy it right now. And then of course, you know, price point. I think that we're trying to be a brand that of course it's a premium product and the quality is there, but also priced for everyday enjoyment. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. that that's, there's a lot that we can, you know, that other founders can learn from that definitely. So um, later, I'd like to go back on, on some of those points. But you also talked about like how you're you're looking at your consumers. And it seems to me that you're really going deeper, not just in terms of who they are, but really understanding what's the message that you want to get across. In fact, I found in, in one of your interviews, I, I thought you shared one of interesting perspective on how you view customers where you said it's really not more about the demographics, but it's really more about understanding the mindsets and values that your target consumers have. Can you talk to me a little more about this? So I think it's interesting because I think often, you know, especially on a marketing side, we're all like, you know, who's the demographic that you're going after? What is your, you know, consumer profile, et cetera. And of course we've built those out. We have those at Groovy and we kind of look at them as our biggest, like, you know, acquisition channels. But when I look at the big picture and then when I look at the category as a whole, there's not just one demographic that's driving this entire category. There's been a lot of research, of course, that like Gen Z, the younger generation is the first generation to be drinking less than any other generation in the past. But also when you actually look at non-alcoholic options, a lot of the data shows that, you know, demographics even older, like 50 and above are actually like the heaviest consumers of the category. And so again, this comes back to the previous point, one of our differentiators being variety, because we have beers and wines, we speak to a wider audience right off the bat. And then from that, instead of just narrowing down on demographics, it's thinking about the mindset that these consumers have and how we can speak and create messaging around that. And so again, these are consumers that they're looking for their long-term health goals. They're trying to, you know, be present in life. They're trying to just show up as their best self on a daily basis and kind of figure out those little baby life hacks that they can involve. And one of those is, aha, you know, less alcohol, I feel so much better in so many ways, right? And so it's more speaking about that because people are going to come to the category for so many different reasons. And we Mm -hmm. present ourselves a little bit more of a brand for the people. Um, And I can, I'll chat on that a little bit later, but how we've actually involved our community more into the like integral foundation of the brand that we've built. Yeah, that's, I think it's very important. And I saw even in your website, something along the lines of, you know, you don't have to take the joy out of making better decisions. And I think that's that's a powerful representation of how a brand 
supposedly a commodity like a beverage brand can really like you know reinvent itself differentiate itself and create something as an as a bigger impact in the community which leads me now to another question that I want to talk to you about how are you dealing with the branding and marketing side of things because it's it's such as as I mentioned it's such a competitive space so for groovy how important it is for you in in terms of nailing down your branding and marketing Well, I'll be the biggest advocate for that. And I think that it is is so crucial in today's day and age um, to think about your brand first and foremost, and not just only the product. And I've seen that evolution too, because again, five years ago, when there's only one, two, three players within the category, you didn't have to worry so much about the brand because people were just you know, desperate for options. Um, In today's day and age, now when you have so many other entrants, you have to really think about who your brand is, what space do you own? And so from a branding perspective, again, even just by the name, I think when you hear the word groovy, something comes to mind, right? And so that's what we're trying to emulate is that you can have fun, you can let loose, you can still have a good time and you don't need booze to do that. Um, But I think from like a marketing standpoint, since day one, we were always very intentional of what we wanted to build was a lot more than just a product. And don't get me wrong, of course, product experience is like crucial number one. Like I said, taste is so important. But for us, it was a lot more of like building almost a movement and a lifestyle. And that community piece has been so crucial. And If I think back to it and I'm like, you know, four years ago, I was asking myself, I'm like, what does it even mean to build a community, right? Mm -hmm. How do you do that? How do you, what steps do you take to start to build a community? And so as I broke it down in my head, it was really about, you're not just selling a product to people. It's how can I actually provide real value and that expands beyond what my product is. So for us, that might've been like, actual experiences that we were providing for people. We opened the first non-alcoholic tasting lounge in Denver for a summer. We provide value in like the content that we're putting out there. So actually like educational tips on how you can reduce your Mm. alcohol impacts, partnering with experts in the space. And then we had this aha moment of like, how can we bring the community deeper into the brand. And so we actually started to involve our customers in our innovation pipeline. And so what I mean by that is we launched something called our discovery series. And you'll see if you go on our website, you might notice this, like a lot of the products have a QR code, like right front and center on the can. And so we launched these small batch of products. We'll put it online. And that QR code leads to a feedback loop. Like the questions you'll get is, you know, what did you like? What didn't you like? What would you change? How would you rate it? And so we're getting feedback constantly from our customers on their product experience. And being a small, you know, brand, we're still nimble enough to iterate and then improve. And so we'll take that feedback into consideration. We'll make improvements based off of it. And then we'll relaunch that product. And it's been really amazing because the consumer also has this like tie into the business that what they're doing is having an impact, that their voice is being heard. They said that the red wine first batch was too sour and we listened and we launched batch two that, Uh. you know, incorporated that feedback. And so to me, I've never really experienced another brand that's done that where you can actually involve them into your innovation. We've also done the same with our 
um, fundraising round, right? You know, it's, it's, we decided why go to all of these, you know, people that we don't know asking for money when we actually have a community that is so passionate that believes in the mission that we're doing. And so we now have a hundred plus groovy customers that are full investors into the business. Wow. And that's been really special too. Cause again, it's like you're growing that community at a next level where people are actually having an impact in the business in your yeah. own business. Yeah. And I think that's the next level of consumer connection that you'll have. I, I see a lot of CPG brands nowadays that are really doing crowdfunding, not just so a way to raise funding, but also as a means to really connect much, much more meaningful with your customers. Because now what I'd say is they're not just like buyers of your product, but they're sort of co-owners of your product. And if they believe what you are doing, if they believe in what you're doing, then it definitely becomes so much more stronger, right? Um, I have a yeah. couple more questions before we work towards wrapping up, Annika. Uh, one would be, how's the growth been so far? Uh, I know the PNL dynamics is always, you know, a, a tricky thing in in the CPG space. But how has how has it been for for Groovy? It's been, you know, actually really good. We, I think that you know, from a PNL standpoint. There's a lot of metrics that you can look on there, but I think for us, the most important metric has always been velocity. And I think that it's honestly, you hold it up here as a food and beverage company, because a lot of other metrics can kind of skew your view of success, right? You can have top line growth and you can expand, you know, as expanding distribution, et cetera. But if the product's not moving off the shelf, then you're not looking far enough into the future because in a year from now, then you know, you'll know you lose that distribution. And mm-hmm. so we've been really narrowly focused looking at the velocity online. That's also looking at like our repeat customer rate. But I think that's the best indicator of health of a brand. And of course you have... Um, you know, we go through liquor channels often with our distribution. So it's a little bit different from um, what some of the other CPG brands in this space would be looking at. But I think that the velocity is going to dictate the health of the brand. And if you're going through all of these different channels, actually being narrowly focused of like what channels you're looking at for success. And so for us, we've gone really with the notion of going deep in certain markets um, instead of trying to like, you know, broadly expand to like a nationwide brand right off the bat. Like that's our goal. Of course, we want to get to that. But as a small business, you can't do everything at once. And so especially yeah. with our, our resources is where can what channels are we going to focus on where we can really influence the growth and have a great selling story that then you can copy and paste as you grow. Yeah, that's interesting. You know, there's been so much from this conversation. But before I ask the final question, I, I know my voice is really not there. I hope this hangs in. <laughs> but I'd still like to do some some recap of the important insights that I've gotten so far from our conversation. One being, if you enter a category that you want to be a trailblazer in, you have to understand that there's going to be a lot of challenges that you'll have to deal with. And it's both on the production standpoint, on the logistical standpoint, because when you mentioned that, that's the only time that I've actually thought of that. Yeah, alcohol has alcohol. But if you're now introducing a different product, but sort of within the same category, you can just imagine what are the different nuances that would come out of it. But at the same time, consumer education, because in your case, you're entering a different category, but still you're ha- you have to touch on the existing alcohol category. So how are you going to 
do your consumer marketing strategy. And I think across the board, consumer education is important, but so much more in particular, if you are building a brand in this way, in your case, it's really having that clear why that it's not just about introducing a new product, but it's more about how can we impact and influence people to make better decisions by either removing alcohol in their lives altogether, at least lessening their alcohol intake. And you manage to do that by introducing really innovative products uh, in a new and upcoming category. And when you're clear with your why, not just the impact that it would have on your brand, but the impact it will bring on you as a founder. Because in your case, as you mentioned, you had to deal with so many rejections, so many challenges. I could just imagine there's probably a lot of uncertainties during the first few years and maybe even now, right? But because you understand that you're helping people to transition and normalize non-alcoholic beverages and bring more moments of joy, I think those are real powerful um, statements that you can have or powerful perspectives that you can have as a founder. Now, in terms of your differentiation, I got three points from you, which I think are very important across different Better For You CPG categories. First one being taste. The way I'd summarize that is I'd always say you can never win with a losing product. But even a great product would lose without a winning brand. So I think it goes hand in hand that you have to have a good balance of both, right? But if taste is not there, then obviously even if you get to drive product trials, you won't be able to gain some trajectory that you want. The second being variety. Uh, I I didn't realize that until you mentioned it, right? So you have these different varieties. You're sort of touching different subcategories in your niche and industry. And I think that's helpful. And finally, accessibility. But you you broke it down into two segments. Accessibility being where is your product available? But at the same time, at what price points are your product available? Because those are important because even if they see it and then they're going to compare it with other competitors or other available beverage brands, then it's going to be a challenging time for you. The other thing would be, finally, it's it's not just about building a product. That's what I got from, from the story of Groovy. It's really building a movement. And in your yeah. case, you really didn't exactly understand how is it that you're going to build a community or what does a community even mean at the beginning? But I think the key takeaway from you is really knowing where you stand in the whole industry and in your in your market and how can you add value. In your case, adding value not just with your product, but at the same time, doing some educational efforts, doing some venues where people can come together and really you know, enjoy that this is okay. It's okay if this is the mindset and perspective that we have in terms of um, our lifestyle. And finally, in terms of your hard metric for growth, it's really all about sales velocity. So I'm sure margins would be coming in there, the price points would be coming in there, but you're right. At the end of the day, if no one is buying your product, then it's going to be a tough game. Uh, I, really, yeah. I really am very apologetic in my voice, but is that a fair recollection of some of the things that you've um, yeah. highlighted in this conversation, Annika? Yeah, no, I think that that's honestly a, a great summary of what I talked about on some of the key points there. And what I'll add to that and just kind of emphasize for you know other founders that I found really important is the customer piece, like really spending time to understand your customer, connect with them, right? Like all of those points of differentiation. I wasn't just like, Ooh, I think that people want variety. Like I talked to customers, had one-on-one video calls with them. We put research out there as third-party research. And we really determined that like 
this is what the category needs. And we're going to be the brand to deliver on that. And the thing is, without your customers, like you don't have a business. So I think especially as founders in the early days, it's so easy to stay connected with your customer because you're the one that's out there. You're the one that's like doing all the samplings and talking to them. But as you grow, there's a little bit of distance that happens as well. Right. And so it's how can you stay connected to your customer, even as you grow and make sure that you're just listening and willing to adapt and pivot the business according to them as well. Like that's a lot of those foundations were built on listening from our own customers. Exactly. And thank you for reiterating that. And that also brings me back to my own CPG brand development framework that has four quadrants. The very first thing there is really the audience. You have to go deeper. And we already talked about this, not just in terms of demographics and psychographics, because these are real people with real desires, real wants, real challenges. So thanks for for reiterating that, Annika. I know this has been going great for us and I'm enjoying the conversation, but I'd like us to work towards wrapping up now. So I'll ask the final question and then we'd work and go to the last segment of the show, which I call the finish line, okay? So for my final question, Annika, if you can go back and be with your younger self when you were just starting out with Groovy, what advice would you give Annika? (laughs) I think I would have a lot of advice to give my younger self, um, especially again, you know, not coming from any background in the space at all. It's been a huge learning curve from it, but obviously so grateful for the experience. Um, I think one of the biggest things for me has just would be like a reminder to let myself know that you don't need to do this by yourself. I think so many times we get caught up that like, it's my business and I'm starting and I need to figure all the answers out by myself. And once you kind of let that ego go and are willing to be vulnerable and actually ask for help, reach out to people that like inspire you, whether it's other entrepreneurs or experts in some of the categories and ask for advice. Like we've now built an amazing board of groovy advisors that we can lean on in, you know, good times and bad times. And so I'd say that that's probably the biggest one for me. And just like, never be the one to like say no to yourself. I think that we often let our own fears hold us back from, you know, rejection or all of these different things that happen. And it's like, say yes to you, let someone else say no, and it's going to happen. You're going to get no's of course, but don't let you be the one that says no. I think those would be like the two pieces that I'm still working on. I still have to remind myself of those every day, but yeah. Yeah. Thank you for sharing. Those are really powerful, especially that piece of you shouldn't let yourself to be, you know, the the hurdle or the hindrance that stop you from doing what you're really meant to do. So thank you so much, Annika. But now I'd like us to go to the final segment, which I call the finish line. So I basically have five questions for you, sort of the lightning round, but this time I want you to answer them as concisely as possible. Are you game? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, first off, name a characteristic that an entrepreneur must have to succeed vulnerability. I think it's a very underrated trait, but I think it can be a superpower. It is. I think it's the first time I'm hearing that answer in this in this podcast. So thank you. The second one would be, do you have any book or podcast that you want for other entrepreneurs to read or listen to? Um, I would say Ramping Your Brand, as well as Buy Back Your Time by I think Dan Martell. I can't remember who Ramping Your Brand is off the top of my head. Yeah. Thanks for sharing. The next one would be what do you fear the most as a founder? Um, I mean, I feel like the classic answer would be failure. But I honestly think for me, it's like 
fear of not enjoying the now, right? I think it, as a founder, it's so easy to get caught up on like the next steps and moving. And I think it would be really scary to look back and be like, I didn't soak it up enough. I didn't enjoy the moments, the little wins, right? Even the hardships, you're never going to experience those again. Yeah, that's a powerful reminder. Yeah, I had to stop and, and pause for a moment and think about that, Annika. I think that's a powerful one. Uh, for the fourth one, if you're not an entrepreneur now, what do you think would you be instead? <laughs> well, then I think I probably would have stayed on the path with med school, um, a neurologist or something within that field. Wow, that's really interesting. And and finally, I want you to complete this. Success is? Success is built within. To me, it's not an external factor, but rather knowing your own self-worth and showing up authentically. There you go. And I think that's a powerful ending for this conversation. But, you know, I've been really so appreciative of your time. Thank you so much for being here, Annika, for being so generous and sharing your stories and insights. But before I let you go, can you please let us know where's the best place for people to learn about you and Groovy? Yeah, the best place would probably be the Groovy website, which is www.getgroovy and Groovy is U-V-I, G-R-U-V-I. Um, and you can follow along on Instagram too. My personal account is Asani for a little bit more of the behind the scenes of entrepreneurial life. Thank you. We'll make sure to link those up in our show notes. And once again, I appreciate you being here and wishing you all the best. Hey there, wonderful person. As a Better For You food and beverage CPG founder, you know firsthand how difficult it can be to start, run, and build a CPG brand. Many wish that they can learn straight from others who have gone on the same journey. This is the reason why we started this podcast, to provide a platform for learning and inspiration for other founders in the industry. So if you want to take part in helping others, I invite you to be a guest on the show. Talk about your brand and share your story and insights by signing up at thevineyardbc.com slash podcast. That's the vineyardbc.com slash podcast. I look forward to having you on the show.